0: everybody and welcome to i guess a half a sneaky good podcast there's only one sneaky gooder left so we are less good maybe more sneaky though um, Paul and I have been trying to get this thing together for a long time and i guess that's how it goes it's uh, Paul's working on other projects for the site he's going in a different direction and that's how come the podcast has been silent for a while as we've been figuring out how we wanted to go forward And it looks like it's going to go forward right now as a one-man show. Um, I guess eventually we're going to have to look for someone else to help out on this thing. Um, I'm always open to suggestions. Also, right now, uh, Paul, if you're listening, uh, you have the Twitter password for the account. So it's hard to answer questions right now. So we couldn't put out the word yet. I'll see if I can steal that from him. We we still do talk. It's not like we had a fight. Uh, There was no great falling out. We... We weren't sitting around saying how much we hate each other. Uh, well, maybe he hates me. Maybe it's like uh, that scene with and Billy Madison with Steve Buscemi. You know, people I have to kill. And there's just a very long list on there. Um, should apologize to that guy. But I guess now we move on to you know LSU sports. We're getting into the quiet season. So it's really a bad time for me to kick this thing back up. Right when the LSU s- season is ending, uh, that's the kind of good planning you expect from the Sneaky Good Podcast, and really, and the Valley Shook in general. We're we're really on top of just bad scheduling. It's it's one of our fortes. Um, but actually, before we talk about it, let's, since I'm already talking about the site itself, the site right now is kind of booming. Um, it's kind of cool to be working at and the Valley Shook right now. Um, you know, Paul's really made a name for himself in the recruiting world, and that's really, really cool, because uh, that means I don't have to follow it anymore. I can just read his stuff and learn things, which is really great. Uh, Billy, of course, is all over the place. Uh, you can find him anywhere on SB Nation. He's always popping up on actual radio shows, so he's too big for our little podcast here. Um, and right now, I've been kind of mulling my way through old stuff. i I've been delving into the history of LSU sports, and I do appreciate the comments that I get, uh, even though I don't get a ton of them. It's one of those things where you kind of feel like you're writing to five people, but those five people really, really like it. So I feel like the history class is sort of the velvet underground of blog posts, and it's a lot of fun, and I've learned a lot doing it, and... Really, I can't recommend something at high. It's my favorite thing I've ever done for the site. And it really just started with a thing that there is really nowhere online you can find LSU history. It's all over the place. The internet is great in its breadth, but it's not really good at its organization. Um, As much as we make fun of uh, gatekeepers and uh, caretakers, gatekeepers... They serve a function. Um, They're good at collating data and bringing it together and pointing you on a path and saying, hey, if you like this interesting thing, maybe you'll like this other interesting thing. It works a lot better than an algorithm. So right now, I'm just trying to get through the history of stuff. We started in 1893 and just yesterday uh, on the site, which fell, uh, was World War II. We just got through the the Bernie Moore era. Uh, Really an underappreciated great coach in LSU history, and I I found him really fascinating. Um, I've always kind of made fun of, we had some um, Bama fans, like Clef particularly, who would say, you guys should claim the 1935 title. And I've always just kind of thought that was the Bama fan talking. But when you actually do the research on it, LSU actually does have a legitimate claim to the 1935 national title, and I thought that was really interesting. Now, I'm I'm not saying LSU should go back and claim it. I think once you're 75 years in the past or so, it's better to let that sleeping dog lie. Uh, You just look silly if you claim it. Um, 1908 is one of those things that everybody else in the world recognizes, so I think LSU should claim it just because it's not coming out of nowhere. Everybody already recognizes it. Uh, But it was an interesting time... To read about because, I don't know, I kind of feel like the view of LSU sports is that it was a a wasteland until Paul Dietzel showed up, and then suddenly the 1958 national title comes out of nowhere, and that's not entirely true. You find that these Bernie Moore teams, early in his career, were were great, and then he takes a step backwards, and then things really take a step backwards during World War II because no one could field a team because everyone was off fighting Nazis. And they were lucky in a weird way because that's what allowed uh, Steve Van Buren to become LSU's um, SEC Player of the Year uh, in 1944. It's because he was he was there and he couldn't uh, he couldn't serve. He um, was uh, had disability, so he was unable to uh, get drafted. Uh, He was rejected by the Army. It wasn't like he ducked service or anything like that and, like, faked a bad knee or something like that. Um, He had bad vision. And because of that, and then Bernie Moore made him a blocking back for three years, and it wasn't until he was a senior that he finally handed the football, and it turns out he's this transcendent player who would then go into the NFL and retire as the career rushing leader. And I know the NFL was small potatoes back in the, you know, 40s and 50s, but still, that's a pretty cool thing that, he did. There's this great player that was discovered by accident. And I think accidents are really interesting. And that's kind of what I've been trying to highlight. I'm also trying to do a lot of the stuff behind the scenes where you have, you know, Troy Middleton um, fighting with TP Herd over the stadium. That's, I'm getting ahead of myself. That hasn't published yet. That's what I'm researching right now. It's a lot of fun. Um, Troy Middleton um, is. Just an incredible badass. Um, he served in World War II. Uh, served in World War I. He became the youngest colonel in the American Expeditionary Force. I think it was at age 29. I know it's online. Um, it's in an article I just wrote. Uh, but you don't remember every little little detail. Uh, but Troy Middleton really fought the athletics department to make LSU a great university. Because... Huey Long, for all of his corruption and all of his Huey Longness, which, you know, kinda is the reputation that LSU still has today, kind of a cartoonish version of Huey Long. And there are some Huey Long in a way is almost a real life cartoon. Um But Huey Long did care about the university and not just the football team. He worked really hard to make LSU a prestigious Southern University. When he arrived, it was the third-rate school, was the quote. And it was a point of pride to him not to just have a great band and a great football team, but it was important for him to have a great science department and a great English department. And there, it's not an accident that right after Huey Long, you have things like the Southern Review come out of LSU, and you have a great medical school. The LSU law program gets off the ground. It... These are important things of the university and they're intertwined with athletics because athletics are sort of an advertisement for the school and they say, you know, hey, come here, this is fun. It's an advertisement but it's also saying these are the things we value and in the... F- Early 50s, you start to see the athletics department, it's really, we think of this as being a modern phenomenon, but you really said the athletics department had grown bigger than the academic side, and the academic side started to suffer after the hayride. It didn't really bounce back after World War II, and everyone's like, hey, let's just pump more money into the football team, you know, let's build a bigger stadium, and Troy Middleton's the guy who's saying, no, we've doubled enrollment um, we've handed out more degrees in the last ten years than we have in the entire history of the school. You know, we we don't just need a new medical school. We need new buildings. We need a new architecture building. We need a new you know engineering building. We need we need everything. We need a new English building, and of course, the library became the centerpiece of this fight. Um, where Hill Memorial Library was kind of a dump, <laughs> and it wasn't really meeting the needs of a modern university. And so they built Middleton Library. It's named after him. It wasn't named Middleton Library on the first day. It was named after he left. But still, that library was the centerpiece of his campaign to make LSU a first-rate Southern university on a par with any other state school in the South. And I really respect that. But at that point, T.P. Hurd, who had been there since Huey Long, even before Huey Long had so much power and he was definitely diverting money to build a bigger Tiger Stadium. And there was a point that, yeah, maybe we did need a bigger Tiger Stadium because it's the kind of thing that, you know, LSU did. They had a lot of uh, people coming to school. The Tulane-LSU game and Bernie Moore's last game was the best attended game in the history of the South. So it wasn't like LSU was, you know, this small little school. And once again, we'll get into all the details in the next edition of History Class. So I'm talking about an article that hasn't been published for that. But I do find the personalities behind the scene, they get lost. And honestly, so do the people on the field. Um, What do we really know about YA Tittle? I mean, we have that famous photograph of him, but you know, what do we know about them? I mean, you know, I mean, we published a thing about Alvin Dark, and the reason we know a lot about Alvin Dark is because he played baseball. And baseball is, you know, one of the most deeply and heavily logged and scribed sports there is. Everybody has archived baseball. It's easy to find baseball stories because uh, everybody kept track of them. Um, it's not so much the way for the other sports, even college football in the South In the 30s and 40s, there's all these myths, and I love myths. Myths are like my favorite thing, but it's hard to find the truth of those stories, and that's why I spent a lot of time trying to find out how far YA Tittle's pants fell down. I did that for you, dear reader, because that stuff interests me. And I don't want to bore you with too much with it. I don't want this just to become a long history podcast, so we'll move on and actually talk about what's going on in... The world of LSU sports right now, we have a regional coming to Baton Rouge, which everyone said was going to be impossible. And that pause right there was me drinking beer. I normally could slip those in when Paul was talking. Can't do it this time. So if you hear long pauses and me gulping, that is because I am drinking a spot in Oktoberfest, and it is delicious. I recommend them highly. Um... Baseball came into the season ranked number one. Um, I wrote a fawning preview at the beginning of the season about how this was going to be a great team. And it never became a great team. It started started bad. They got swept by Texas on the first weekend. And I don't want to say it never got better. That's not true. Um, It did get better, but it never got great. LSU was pretty much in the teens, maybe the lower half of the top 25 for the entire season. Um, anywhere else that's a success. And here, that's a total incomplete failure. And, of course, you have all of the calls to fire Paul Maneri. And I guess that just shows what a tough job LSU baseball is. It is a double-edged sword. And, okay, I will go back to my history thing. That's kind of what Bernie Moore said, that there's, you know, the Wolves are always out in Baton Rouge. Everywhere... They bay all day, but you know, at LSU, the wolves are baying day and night, and it does feel that we have a fan base that thinks it is perpetually 1995, and that's okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with high demand. Um, fans love the LSU baseball team, Um, it came at a time when we really needed it. Uh, Football was bad, Uh, basketball was about to go in the tank. And so we became a baseball school. It's it's weird, but it happened. But it's also just this thing that it's not just the team got good. is that the entire town rallied behind it. And to this day, LSU gets a ton of support. It has huge attendance numbers, which I know PodCat makes fun of for being fictional. And yes, our attendance numbers are on tickets sold, not actual people showing up. But still, the interest is there. Um... There aren't a whole lot of places out there where you can have robust debate about college baseball. Um, It's really just the SEC and a couple places in California. And let's face it, the California teams, as great as they are and as passionate as their fan bases are, they get lost in the L.A. medium. It's not like uh, the L.A. talk radio is talking about Cal State Fullerton a whole lot. Um, Or maybe they are. I'm I'm not out in L.A., but I highly doubt they're devoting a big bunch of their time to college baseball like they are. SEC, it's still a bunch of small markets, so they can have their local radio shows talk about college baseball. I I mean, it's not just one segment. It's segment after segment after segment. And, you know, this year it's, why do the pitchers always get hurt? And no one really wants to hear it, but the answer is simple. Throwing a baseball is an unnatural motion, and people shouldn't do it. And young players are more likely to get hurt than old players. We know these things. Um, That's actual... You know, that's Analytics 101. That's baseball prospectus from, you know, 1990. And hell, even before that. Bill James was writing about stuff like that in the 80s. The injury nexus of the early 20s and late teens. Guys... It's hard to throw a baseball. And bodies are still developing. And this year, it just killed LSU. The team, it's not like there was a rash of injuries in the sense that, you know, guys would be lost for the season. It was always just like these little nicks and no one was ever at 100%. I think you can sum it up um, by saying to qualify for the SEC ERA lead, you had to throw 58 innings. That was the minimum to be a pitcher and qualify for the final awards at the end of the year for um, the ERA. Anything else, you don't have enough innings and they just don't count it. Um, LSU had two pitchers qualify, Zach Hess and Eric Walker. And Eric Walker has been struggling all year because he's been coming off Tommy John, and Zach Hess is in the pen now. Um, So the guy who's in third place on the team in innings pitched uh, is Cole Henry. Uh, with 51 innings, uh, started nine games, uh, appeared in 12. That's that's crazy. Um, and the guy with the second most starts behind Walker is actually Landon Marceau, who started 12 games in 13 appearances, but he only threw 49 innings. Um, this is a team that just never found its guys, and it's because ne- nobody was ever all the way there. And it's gonna continue in the postseason. I think. I think they were not positive about this but I think we're going to be missing even more arms in the postseason Um, I think Jaden Hill is going to be unavailable not positive Uh, but it just goes to the whole this is a team that just they're just looking for warm bodies and it's the same thing on the other side of the diamond Um, I remember at one point in the season they only had 11 position players who were healthy but you can also see in just the number of starts that have been at LSU this year Mineri is a coach who finds a lineup and he sticks with it. He's not a guy who tinkers a whole lot. You know, he might tinker for the first two or three weekends, but once he finds his guys, those are his guys. That that's pretty much a Mineri team every year. Um he only has five guys who have gotten 200 at-bats this year, uh which doesn't which sounds like a lot, but that's only half of your starting lineup. And those five guys, um Smith, DePlantis, Watson, Uh, Beloso, and Cabrera. Um, All of them started at least 53 games. Um, The number six guy is Chris Reed, who started 42 games, had 147 at-bats. And Chris Reed, as we know, wasn't even on the team at one point and had to be brought back (laughs) right before the season started. Um, I know Meniere said that was one of his biggest mistakes, but it also just goes to show just how hard it is to find bodies. This is a team that's really... I don't want to say cursed. Um, they just had bad injury luck. And that's the difference between being a good team and a great team. And at the end of the day, this was a good team. Um, LSU went 17-13 and 13 in the SEC, which is the toughest conference. They earned a national seed. They're going to host a regional in the first round. And honestly, the regional, while it's not a cakewalk, it's pretty manageable. Arizona State started incredibly hot. I think they won their first 20 games since then, they've calmed down and, you know, they're not 500, but they're, you know, they're, they've won, you know, they're 30 near 40 games. Uh, their RPI is somewhere in the mid-30s. It, they're a good team. They're solid, but they're not a great team. They're a team that played a lot of those real California powerhouses and came up short. Gave them great games, but then lost. Sort of like LSU did to the top teams in the SEC, and... If you look at how our regionals are paired uh, we're paired with the Athens regional, Georgia is a great example. LSU played Georgia in a three-game series, took one of them, lost the other two. One of the losses was close. LSU could have won that series, but they didn't because that was the kind of year it was. LSU didn't beat great teams this year. So I, I think at this point the expectations have to be mellowed a little bit. I think the goal now is for this team – Just make it out of the regionals. If you make it to the Supers, that's great. Whatever happens, happens. If you you make it to Omaha, it's always a success. And that's always the goal going into the season. And it's not like this team can't make a run. They are good enough to put it all together, find a pitcher, ride some hot starts. They can win a series, even against a team at Georgia. And... Find their way in Omaha, and if you're in Omaha, it's suddenly a great year. So it's it's hard to write this team off, but at the same and that run in the SEC tournament was fun, uh, especially because it really showed what this team had been doing all year. Like Maneri was finding anybody he could who could pitch. It just felt like he was getting guys off the back of the bus or you know going to ask the K lady to throw a couple of pitches, and that's what you do. That's how you make runs in the SEC tournament. And Maneri's become really good at having runs in the SEC tournament. I think this is his fifth straight semifinal. or It might be a sixth straight. It's somewhere around there. He He's in the semis a lot. And Skip Burtman used to blow off the SEC tournament, uh, but normally he had teams that were you know, in the high 40s and wins already and had already secured a national seed. It didn't mean as much. This LSU team, when they're under Menaire, there's, there's too many good teams in the SEC. Uh, there's too many good teams nationally. They need these wins to build that profile, so they can't look at Hoover as just a place to kind of swing for the fences and maybe, you know, jerk around a little bit and hope you get lucky. LSU needed that run. If they don't, if they go 2-and-Q in the SEC tournament, actually, if they they would have lost the first game, they would have been eliminated, but if they go 2-and-Q in the SEC tournament, they're probably on the road this weekend and they're probably playing a monster team because there's a lot of sec seeds out there so if you're in a two seed as an sec school you're in a lot of trouble you're going to a really good team i know there had been talk they were going to send them to las vegas so they could play uh uc santa cruz which would have been fun um but lsu is just They're not in the position we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year. And I know that makes people angry. And in a way, that's good because it shows people still care. It shows where the program is in general. That the standard is still, we should win titles. That is still the goal. It hasn't been rolled back. But having said that, it's hard to say if you don't win a title this season, is not a success. I, I just can't sign on to that kind of philosophy, because that's a way to make yourself miserable. There's a lot of really good teams. Um, There's a lot of programs in college baseball, and I'd rather follow a team that's consistently good, and that's what LSU is. LSU is consistently one of the best teams in college baseball, and that's really all you can ask for out of a program. I mean, taking the long view. We're not talking from an individual season, but when you look at the health of a program itself, you want to say, is this team... Every year, when you look at that team and say, can this team make Omaha, or at least has a shot to make Omaha, and I think LSU is almost always in a position to answer that question, yes. And look, even some of the best programs are having miserable... The team that swept us at the beginning of the year, Texas. Texas is a legendary program, and they got housed in the Big 12. They, they didn't even qualify for the Big 12 tournament, and... We're talking about how disappointing our year was. I mean, can you imagine being a Longhorn fan right now? Um, Texas thought, particularly based on that first year, they were basing, hey, we beat LSU. We're a great team. This team is going to do something this year. You know, we'll have a good year in the Big 12, and then and then we'll have, make a run, and hopefully we can make it to Omaha. And it just didn't happen. They just That was the high point of their season and never got going. LSU at least rebounded. They... They learned from getting swept in that first series and got stronger and stronger as the year went went on and put up a pretty good SEC record. 17-13 is nothing to sneeze at in the SEC. They they weren't in contention to win it, but they were always in contention for the second or third spot. They were a high seed in Hoover. This is a good team, and they had a good year. There's, there's not a whole lot where you can say, man, I... This is a problem with the team. I, th- I think when you look at the team, the biggest problem, of course, is you know they can't pitch. Um, if we just look at SEC stats, um, the team ERA was 4.95. Um, that's bad. Uh, there's no other way to say it. LSU gives up a ton of runs. They gave up 159 runs. Um, now, on the other hand, they scored 189. They had one of the best offenses in the SEC. They... You know, they put the ball in play, they didn't steal a ton of bases or anything, but and you know, they had good power. Um, they weren't Vanderbilt, they weren't Arkansas, but they weren't down at the bottom of the league. like A and M has sixteen home runs in SEC play. And A and M's a really good team, but they don't have a ga- they don't have a lineup that can just terrify you, where it's just like, oh my god, and, you know, hitter after hitter after hitter. LCU hit thirty one home runs. I mean, this is a you know Team that can generate offense, you know. They also uh, have one, one of the best fielding percentages. I, I know everyone's gonna, you know, uh, thumb their nose at the fielding percentages, but LSU turns batted balls into outs, and that stuff matters. And I think they've really done it without that one guy. Um, you know, where Josh Smith is a really, really good player. A um, guy. I mean, he, he did hit 350, so. Uh, um, sorry, he hit three forty-three. My bad. But he also he slugged five thirteen. Um, but you look, DePlantis also slugged five hundred. Um, there was a uh, Daniel Cabrera slugged five twenty-nine. That's three guys right there who are all slugging over five hundred. And it's also the guys who gave you a ton of at bats. Um, this is a team that can hurt you. I don't want to say up and down the lineup, but they have a really good core, and those guys can all hurt you. I think what hurts LSU is, you know, when you start getting, you know, they've had so much roster turnover, uh, when you get to the back of the order, you really start to say ugh! Like, you know, Brad Broussard, um, we expected a lot more out of him. Um, Hal Hughes, uh, I mean, he hit 182, but worse than that, he's slugging 197, which I didn't even know was possible. Uh, with an on-base at 287, uh, he's giving you nothing at the bottom of the lineup, and this isn't that, you know, this isn't the single out Hal Hughes. Um he's also a you know pretty good defensive player, so it's not like he contributes nothing. Um But there are some easy outs relatively in the LSU order, so it's not terrifying. I mean we're not back at Gorilla Ball or anything like that. But you know, we're talking about a team that has six guys who hit six guys who at least hit five home runs, and that's that's scary in its own right. If you can go six guys who have legitimate long ball power. Um, the problem is when you get to like a place like Hoover or if you get to TD Ameritrade in Auburn and Auburn and in TD Ameritrade in, in Omaha, those are places that sap away home run power. Those parks are so huge. Um, it doesn't really play, but it will play in Alex box. So this region, this regional LSU has got a great chance to advance and it comes down to a super, I mean, I'll take those odds. If you had told me at the beginning of the year they're hosting a regional and then they're going to play, if they win it, they'd have to go on the road to play an SEC team most likely. Probably go to Georgia to advance to Omaha. I would have taken that. Um, It wouldn't have been my number one choice. But this is a team that's in a good position. And that's, again, that's that's what you asked for at the beginning of the year, to be in a good position. So I'm not going to panic about it. And LSU baseball, and this is where we will say segue, motherfucker. It's kind of indicative of LSU sports in general right now. Everybody is doing pretty good. Um, The problem is is that no one is quite at that national championship level. Um, it, It feels like there's this powder keg of LSU fandom that's ready to explode. And they just can't quite get that one event that... The team really needs the football team was really good, won 10 games and won a BCS bowl or whatever we call them now. Um, that's a huge event. I mean, that's something that, you know, you, you print T-shirts about that, but it wasn't, you know, a national title. And that's now what matters. Um, gymnastics, again, making it to the final four They They were outstanding. Well, not again. This is the first time they've had the four on the floor, but they made it to the the final day. Again, they were competitive. It just, you know, they ran into a monster Oklahoma club. LSU finished second, but it was kind of a distant second. Oklahoma had that thing wrapped away pretty much from the beginning. And that's just the way it goes. Oklahoma was this powerhouse, unbeatable team almost. And LSU is the foil. And... You know, you, this is a team that keeps winning runner-up, and you feel that if you're always there, eventually you're going to have that one time you win it. It just hasn't happened yet. You know, the softball team just got eliminated this weekend. Um, they just ran into a better Minnesota team. Um, honestly, Game 1 hurt more than Game 2. Uh, game 2, they ended up losing 3 nothing. They were down one nothing the whole way. Gave up 2 in the 7th. I don't want to say they never had a chance, but it just never felt like it was happening. Game 1, LSU had the early lead and went away pretty quickly, and Minnesota just kind of bashed their way to victory. If you score runs on the road, you got to win in softball, and it didn't happen. And but LSU was a—they're a regular at Oklahoma City, um, losing. That's why losing the Super Regionals is disappointing. We, this is a program that, that's the point they are. Where you look at a Super Regional loss, you're like, man, that's a, that's a bummer of a year. Like I thought they were going to go and be one of the final eight teams because. We expect LSU to be one of the final eight teams. And again, that's the mark of a good program. Teams that are constantly and consistently on the top tier competing for championships. Even if you don't win that championship, you're still doing really, really well. That's You're still one of the best programs in the country. And it's hard to ask for anything more than that, other than to be the best program in the country. And I know that's what people are asking for, but... You know, sometimes it just doesn't happen, and I think your chances of winning championships are better if you consistently contend. If you're always in the mix, eventually the chips are going to fall your way. It's, as, you know, Branch Rickey said, luck is the residue of design, so you just have to keep plugging away, you know, staying with the formula. You, you, you keep contending, and then eventually you will get some luck, and I think LSU just hasn't quite gotten the breaks that they've needed. They've had really, really good teams. They've had ch- teams that were good enough to win a championship. They just didn't get that one little break that they needed. And this isn't to say that the team's been unlucky. It's just that they haven't had that moment of luck. And that's how teams are built. I mean, that's what a good program is. I, I know people want to get mad and say like, this is a failure. You know, Beth is never going to get over the hump. Um, But this is what success looks like. And honestly, if you look at anybody who's won a ton of titles, there was a time probably when everyone said they couldn't win. Um, Michael Jordan, like the classic, I've won a whole bunch of titles guy, early in his career, could not win a title. That was the big knock on him, that he just cares about scoring points. He didn't win a title until his eighth or ninth year. It took him forever. And he won a title by... Always being on good teams, and they just got a little bit better each year. And it's not all linear progress. It's not like you get a little bit better, and a little bit better, and a little bit better, and then, hey, the promised land, we win a title. It doesn't work like that. It's like, you get a little bit better, you get a little bit better, you take a step backwards, you stay constant for a while, you take a step forward, you take a step back, maybe two forward, and you just gotta hope that one day, oh my God, we're on top of the mountain. And, I don't want to, you know, get the team in trouble, and it's, they're so close in so many sports, but it's like you can taste it, and it's just not happening right now, and I know for people that's frustrating, but I'm trying to say that this is, (laughs) these are the salad days, this is as good as it gets, (laughs) other than just winning, you know, title after title after title, Um but that's probably not going to happen, not just for LSU, but for anybody. That just doesn't happen unless you live in Boston, apparently. Uh, man, now, those are people who are living the high life right now, but that's just not a, a standard that anybody else can live up to. And Which, by the way, you should never root for a Boston team to win anything for the next 20 years, at least. And unless you actually live in Boston, it is time to stop rooting for them. They can go fuck themselves. They've had too much success over the last 10 years. If the Bruins win this Stanley Cup, they will have won three of the four major sports titles. And let's face it, the Celtics weren't a whole far way away. Um, that's unfair. We need to stop doing that. Um, but it's not like LSU doesn't have two more chances. They have two more bites of the apple in this academic school year. Um, of course, baseball that's going on. That's more of a long shot. Um, Hey, you're in the field, you're seated. you're going to host a regional, so you got a shot. Um, But again, I don't think anybody's going to go to Vegas and bet their kids' tuition money on LSU to win the national title. And if you do, um, don't tell anybody, because that's some really poor financial planning. Uh, But the LSU track and field team is one of the favorites to win the national title. Um, Mondo Duplantis, so it's not like there's only one Duplantis brother. There's two Duplantis brothers. They're both doing great. Uh, The baseball team is, you know, really doing well with uh, Antoine, but Mondo can pole vault like no man alive. Um, This is a guy who is going to compete for gold medals, probably, Um, and we're really, really lucky to have him at LSU. This is, you know, we have an elite athlete who is probably the best in the world at the thing he does, and... You should appreciate that, and I, I will admit that I find track and field meets to be tedious and boring. So I will follow some updates. I'll read about it, but LSU does have a chance to win a national title there, um, and that counts just as much as anything else. I don't think we should discount it because it's not it's not as glamorous as the other sports, uh, and you know I always think people outside of the SEC would might say that about gymnastics, that they don't, you know, if LSU won a gymnastics title, I live in Texas. It's hard for me to go up to someone in the office and trash talk them about gymnastics. They don't care, but I care because uh, the LSU gymnastics team is really, really fun, and I've really just gotten into the SEC rivalries and stuff like that. I think the SEC has done a great job with that. It it has not just been LSU building a program. It's been four or five programs building themselves. And it's because you had that carrot of, Hey, there's the Georgia Bulldogs and they are this great untouchable program. And for a long time they were, and everyone just invested in getting better to catch them. And it seemed impossible when they started, but here we are, you know, 20 years later and Georgia has been caught. Um, LSU and Florida, are the top two teams in the sec, Auburn, is you know probably the third best program right now. Bama is right there with Auburn. Actually, Bama's probably ahead of Auburn. I mean, Georgia is a team that we normally don't expect to see in the second session of the SEC championships. It was an upset that they were. And this is, you know, they're the LSU baseball of gymnastics. So the fact that LSU baseball has being able to hold up this level of excellence. I mean, we're not the number one team in the conference anymore, but we're still in that elite tier while Georgia has kind of taken a step back in gymnastics. And it's not so much that they've taken a step back, it's that everybody else has taken a step forward, and that's really what you want to see. And it's amazing how great of a motivator hatred is. Uh, The teams in this conference just hate each other, and it's awesome. And I, I don't mean that in a you know, burn down your trees and, you know, poison your water kind of way. I I, I tend to think SEC hatred is more good-natured than we ever want to let on. It's, it's mainly because we're all the same as much as we don't want to admit that. I mean, it's a bunch of large state schools in the Deep South, but I think it's uh, what happened in, in baseball. is like, first, Mississippi State was really good, but LSU passed them, and then everyone else in the in the conference was like, well, fuck you. We're not going to let LSU win all these titles. We're going to get good, and we're going to beat them. And that's exactly what happened. You know, we did that Georgia in gymnastics. It's like, well, it's one program is like, look how great we are. We're all going to beat you. And, you know, Auburn, Alabama was softball. They had this great softball program, and everyone else loaded up the bear. And, you know, now Florida is fantastic softball program. Auburn, LSU, Kentucky, everyone just loaded up saying, no, we're not going to let – You be good. We're not going to let you have this one thing. Heck, even Kentucky basketball, which is kind of the one singular thing. I mean, that's what motivated Florida to get so great. And later on, Mississippi State. And before that, LSU. I mean, the real motivator for LSU always was that carrot of here's Kentucky basketball. Try and knock them off their perch. And, I, you know, Tennessee and women's basketball. I mean, Pat Summit just ruled that sport. But it also forced the rest of the SEC to get good. And now you have Mississippi State being this massive power. And it's because it was. it's like, hey, congratulations. We're glad you did that thing. But now we're going to beat you because we hate you and we don't want you to have success. We want that success. And what it is is that we're not making teams fall backwards. We're It's raising everybody up and everyone's getting better and better. And I think that's a – Really positive thing for the SEC. I, I know it sounds like hatred shouldn't be a good thing, but I again I think it's it's more jealousy than anything, and that everybody's like, hey, well they have that you know slice of the pie, I want that slice of the pie, and I want my slice to be bigger and tastier, and I have a scoop of ice cream on top of that, and that's just how these things have rolled. I think it's really really been a lot of fun, and. We'll see how the baseball thing works out, and I promise in the future I will take our Twitter account back, and I'll actually have questions, and we'll answer it. And you know what? It's going to be the summer. Um, I have no problem going off topic. Um, I didn't want to do it on the first go-about um, but you know, if we want to talk about old movies, comic books, uh, bands, whatever, I almost died at a pup show. That was a lot of fun. Um, you know, a, a punk show is going well when the band has to stop three times to be like, "Hey guys, you might want to chill out a little bit." Um, or you know, you just want to talk about you know the impending apocalypse. I'm fine with any of that stuff. Um, but also, as we get closer and closer to football season, we will, I know, talk more and more about football. I try not to talk about it this time, except for old football, but I don't think that counts. If we talk about stuff from the 30s and 40s, that's not really what people think of about talking football, but we'll try and get to that. And then maybe, I don't know, maybe some guest hosts, maybe some co-hosts. I have no idea. Um, I am going by the seat of my pants right now. You would think with the three months off since our last broadcast, I would have come up with a plan. But um, if you thought I was going to come up with a plan, um, obviously you're not familiar with my work or the Sneaky Good podcast. But um, I'm going to try and we're going to try and muddle through this together. We're going to try and make this something you guys want to listen to. And yeah, we'll, we will get that up on Twitter and we will take your comments. But until then, you can hit me up on my own Twitter feed, the uh, poser, or you know, once we get this thing up on the website. You guys can make fun of me there and my stupid voice and how I ramble on too long. But hey, now no one can stop me from rambling. Now it's not rambling. It's filling time. Um, But that's all I got for you right now. And go Tigers.